Welcome to People's Church Podcast. I'm excited to be able to continue our series entitled Meaning. Meaning is something that we all try to pursue in life. And I don't care who you are or how old you are, we all have this internal desire. It's a desire to do something great, to be something great, to have an impact on the world around us. And if we are to achieve this, the only real way to get there, I'm just going to cut to the chase here, is by living a life in surrender to God. That's the only real way we can achieve it. Now, something that's always sort of blown my mind about doing things God's way is they always seem to be the opposite of the way I would do things or we would do things. It's the opposite of our human nature and of our human understanding. For example, Jesus tells, tells me, I must lose my life if I truly want to find my life. What? God says, offer but 10% of your harvest to me and see that I don't fill your barns to the point of overflowing. How does that work? Many who are the greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem the least important now will be the greatest then. The math doesn't add up. Give and you will receive. Then John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he can increase. It seems upside down to what we should expect. Of course, there's Matthew 18.4 where Jesus said, whoever humbles himself like this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Which is the track we'll be focusing on today, how we can achieve greatness in God's kingdom. Is it worth striving for? Why should we even consider seeking such a position? Jesus says in order to be great in his kingdom, we must serve others. We must become servants of all. Now this topic is a bit in my wheelhouse as I cover a lot of it when I teach class 301, which if you're registered in my class today, this afternoon, I'm sorry, you get a double dose of me, but you'll make it. If I want to be great, I must be the servant of all. We need to look no further than the person of Jesus to gain some understanding of this. First off, Jesus is our Savior, obviously. That's what the Christian faith is. We put our faith in Him as our Lord and Savior. But what exactly did He save us from? You would probably say, well, He died so our sins could be forgiven. I would say yes, but that's only part of it. Jesus did not come merely to save us from the guilt of our sins. He came to save us from the power of sin. It's not just a pardon. He brings us holiness. He offers us the power to grow into his likeness. This is important, and we'll go a little deeper into it in a, in a few moments here, but... First, in Matthew 23, verse 11, Jesus said to his disciples, the greatest among you, again, must be your servant. Have you ever noticed that when Jesus speaks, there's almost always layers? He's so brilliant. When I first read that verse, 
I just thought, oh yeah, that's Jesus. He's teaching his disciples something important about serving others here, which he was. But when I really considered this verse, it became apparent to me. He was also referring to himself. Think about it. Who is the greatest person standing amongst his disciples? Jesus. The greatest amongst you will be your servant. When was Jesus not serving them? Was there ever a time where he did anything for his own benefit or betterment? When he wasn't healing the sick or casting demons out of possessed people, he was building into his disciples with his teaching, his gentleness, his kindness, and yes, at times, even when he challenged. As a matter of fact, maybe mostly those times. The night before Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, was crucified, just before they're going to partake in the Passover meal, or the Last Supper, as you may know it as, they were in a room above a house, and Jesus, who knew he'd be going to his death the very next day, his disciples had no idea. He did something that nobody saw coming. He washed their feet. <clears throat> he truly was the servant of all. To the point of his own death on a cross, which he confirmed in Mark 10.45 when he said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus saved us from the power of sin so we can become more like him. And he is the ultimate servant. So obviously he wants us to become servants too. But what does that mean? When I first became a Christian, the word servant sort of turned me off a little bit. I had this image in my mind of like a butler with a towel on his, draped over his arm and like a, like a tray full of glasses, you know, serving people. It seemed almost weak to call myself a servant. But this, of course, couldn't be further from the truth. And as I mentioned earlier, God's ways are pretty much opposite of our ways. He calls us to be servants. Serving others is how we serve him. And we're going to look at five ways that we can serve as Christians effectively, which will add deep meaning to our lives and impact the lives of those around us. So the first in this list is love. Servants love. Seems like a no-brainer. You've heard that word a million times in this building. But it's not. People do things for other people for all kinds of different reasons. Sometimes they serve out of guilt or manipulation or because they want to get something in return. All kinds of different reasons. But it really boils down to motivation. And a true servant must be motivated by love. Nothing else. Jesus was the ultimate example of a loving servant in that he came to us first. We didn't go to him first. In fact, we didn't even recognize him while he was here. And instead, we had him crucified. You might be thinking, well, I didn't have him crucified. I wasn't around over 2,000 years ago. 
your sin and my sin were responsible for putting him up on that cross. The scripture says in Romans 5, 8, even while we were still sinners, we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. Then on your outline, we read in John 13, 1, it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. I mean, think about it. Here he was the night before he was about to be killed. He had been walking and leading his disciples in love for the past three years. And he was now sharing his final meal with them. Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's equal with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit in heaven. He didn't have to leave his position to come and serve us. And yet he did. Why? Love. Because he was motivated by his love for us. Think about a close family member or a friend. It isn't very hard to give them a gift, is it? Why? Because you love them. <laughs> the other, uh, yesterday was our, our boy Lincoln. It was his sixth birthday. And the night before, um, it, was, it was quite late. I think it was around 11, 11.30. And I was kind of working on this. And Kelly was doing some other stuff around the house. And I could hear her, I could hear her kind of, you know, moving around. And I went downstairs to go see what she was up to because I was like, it's late, like we should go to bed. And I saw her cutting out uh, construction paper. And I think she didn't come to bed for another like hour and a half after that. I was like, okay, I'm going to bed. The next day when I got up, I saw what it was she was doing. She was making a Super Mario theme on the wall for Lincoln for his sixth birthday. She didn't have to do that. She could have just given him gifts and that was that. But she wanted to make it special. Why? Love. She loved him. We serve people because we love people. And when love is the motivator, we're able to serve even those who don't love us back. Jesus doesn't love like we love. His love is perfect. We strive to be that. He helps us to grow into that. You have the opportunity today to grow to love the way he does because of what you were saved from. You now have complete freedom from sin and self-centeredness. As a Christian, you're completely free to choose whatever you want. Did you know that? You can choose anything you want. Any direction in life, you're free. Your salvation is secure. You will go to heaven. But Jesus saved you to choose to serve others in love. Don't use your freedom to indulge in self-destructive behaviors. That's the way of the world. That's the easy way. And if you really think about it, by the world's logic, the person who gives in to every whim or urge or feeling should, on paper, be the freest person on earth. But we know that that's not true. That road only leads to destruction, addiction, bondage. 
Jesus wants more than that for you. You're free to choose it, but he wants more than that for you. True freedom comes in the form of choosing to love others. The Apostle Paul says Galatians, in Galatians 5.13, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want, or sorry, to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Let love motivate you. The next one, servants meet needs. Now back in those times, uh, the Jewish people didn't have paved roads and sidewalks like we have. And there was a lot of desert for them to travel through. They had pretty much had to walk everywhere. So naturally, their feet got very dirty as they all wore sandals. When it was time to eat meals, there would usually be a servant present who was responsible for washing guests' feet before they ate, because they didn't sit on chairs like we do. They reclined around a table, so they were nice and close to each other's feet. Bon appetit. So it was not only a customary thing, but also a necessary practice to have their feet washed before they ate. In the context of the final Passover meal, Jesus and his disciples found again that there was no servant to wash their feet. I'm sure they all noticed right away. I'm sure they all kind of walked by the, the water basin. And I bet I know exactly what was going through their minds. Hmm, I wonder who's going to wash our feet. Well, I was the one that got the food prepped, so... Or, or I set the table, or I was the one that went and purchased the supplies, so... John's barely lifted a finger all day. He can do it. You know, they're all kind of passing, passing the uh, task off to each other. As a matter of fact, just before this took place, they had literally been arguing about who is going to be greatest in Jesus' kingdom. See, they thought he was going to set his kingdom, his kingdom up in Jerusalem after defeating the Romans and freeing the Jewish nation. And they wanted to be the one standing at his side when it all went down. So they were arguing. No, it's going to be me. I'm going to be the best one. He's going to choose me. But I'm sure not one of them wanted to take on this task of washing each other's feet. So guess who did it? The Lord himself. It says in John 13, 5, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He'd even gone to the extent of removing his outer garment so that he could take on the garments of a servant. And he washed one foot, two feet, four feet, 24 smelly, dirty feet, 24 feet, and then probably his own, so like 26 feet. That's a lot of feet. That's a lot of time. Plus, he dried them. Probably a, a little bit awkward for his disciples to sit through that. <clears throat> Jesus set the example of what a servant was and is to do for us. He sees a need, he acts on it. Even if it's something that causes him some discomfort or he has to go out of his way to do it. In class 301, 
we discussed getting plugged in to serve uh, somewhere in the church that best fits how you are shaped. It's a position that usually complements how you're wired um, with your spiritual gifts, your heart, your natural abilities, your personality, and your life experiences. We sort of combine all those and we figure out what's going to be the best fit for you. But something I, I convey and that's, that's in the curriculum is that you're not ready to serve anywhere in the church until you're willing to serve everywhere in the church. It's interesting. It could come across as something simple like seeing a piece of garbage on the floor or a piece of garbage out in the parking lot as you walk by. You might be tempted to think, oh, well, there's people who will clean that up around here. Well, what would a true servant do? You'd pick it up. That simple. I heard about a dad uh, a few months ago, a friend of mine. He was over at the Reach Center on a Sunday morning picking up his kids. And apparently in the, uh, the men's washroom over there, the, um, there was a kid that had a pretty bad nosebleed. And it was all over the counter, all over the sinks. And what did this dad do? He didn't call for a custodian. He didn't just walk by it and say, yeah, someone else will do this. That's gross. He cleaned it up. And I don't know about you, but the thought of cleaning up someone else's blood, it grosses me out. <laughs> but he cleaned it up. This was not his child's blood. He didn't even know whose it was. He just took care of it. Servants see needs and servants meet needs. Meeting any need takes action. Washing feet is to act on someone's need. Number three, servants serve imperfect people. How many of you know an imperfect person? Just one? Is it the person sitting right beside you? Are you within smacking distance? <laughs> How many of you have had the opportunity to serve someone? Don't raise your hand on this one, okay? I'm just asking. How many of you have had the opportunity to serve someone or to do something for them, but they sort of rubbed you the wrong way or maybe they had insulted you or were just sort of one of those people you'd rather not be around for long? So you chose to withhold something from them. Just think about it. Just think about it. The truth is we've all done this. We've all held back serving someone for one reason or another. And it could have been something easy for us to do. We just had a funeral on Friday for a lady from our congregation. Many of you would remember her. It was Kathy McNally the lady with the little buggy, who was the social butterfly, who would bounce around from person to person to share what was going on in her life, or as she put it, Pastor Brent, do you want to hear my good news? I see Shelly's here today. Thanks for sharing your mom with us. She was beautiful. Kathy was such a beautiful addition to our congregation, and I'm really going to miss her. Many of you know, she was one of those types of people who would talk your ear off for the entire day if you allowed her to. 
that can rub some people the wrong way. That can cause people to try and avoid and not to get involved in the lives of other people. I didn't see that in this church with Kathy. I heard of many beautiful gifts that many of you here today gave Kathy. Whether it was a new outfit, she'd say, Pastor Brent, you won't believe the new outfit so-and-so got for me. It's the most beautiful outfit I've ever seen. Pastor Brent, so-and-so bought me the most beautiful wardrobe for my clothes. Now I have somewhere to put my clothes. Pastor Brent, so-and-so bought me a new love seat for my living room, and I love it so much, I slept on it last night instead of my bed. <laughs> I heard that many of you would give her rides so she didn't have to walk everywhere. Many of you took her out for her favorite lunch, which was apparently Chinese food. Many of you chose not to avoid her, but spent a lot of time with her. What a beautiful example of service that I got to watch unfold in real time. Beautiful. I'm so proud of this church. <clears throat> Servants serve imperfect people, no strings attached, even when you don't feel like doing it. Don't forget, Jesus even washed Judas Iscariot's feet and broke bread with him. The man who would betray him to his death. Jesus knew full well what Judas was going to do. He served him anyway. That's a hard one. John 13, 2 reminds us of this. It says, the evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. He washed his feet. He broke bread with him. Then there was Peter. Peter didn't know whether he was coming or going, whether he was up or down. He was a roller coaster of emotions. Lord, you will never wash my feet, he said to Jesus. And Jesus replied, Simon Peter, unless I wash your feet, you do not belong to me. Peter probably thought for a moment, all right, let's do this. I'll take the sponge bath treatment. The rest of you guys turn around, it's gonna get awkward real quick. Now he said, then Lord, wash my hands and my head as well. Jesus was so patient. He is so patient. He said, the feet will be just fine, Peter, just the feet. Next, number four, servants are humble. What does it mean to be a humble servant? To think of yourself as less than other people? No, it's quite the opposite. It's being in touch with your strengths and your stature but committing yourself to do things for other people in spite of your strengths and your stature. It's not thinking of yourself less so much as it is thinking of other people more. It's saying no matter what the task at hand is, I see a need, I'm not gonna allow myself to be too proud to meet it. What kind of ministry does God love? He loves a humble ministry. Let's read Matthew 23, 
uh, verse 11 and 12 together. It says, the greatest among you will be, your, will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus, the King of kings and again Lord of lords, who in every way was qualified to be served, chose to be a servant. He did it out of genuine love for his disciples. And he also gave them an example of how he wanted them to choose to be. And he clarified this in John 13, verse 12 through 15. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And then in verse 17, he said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. God will only hold you accountable for what you know. If you learn something that is clearly a practical activity that God wants you to do, but don't act on it, the Bible's very clear. You are only puffing yourself up with knowledge and pride. You will miss out on God's blessing and you will be held to account. But if you act on even the most simple invitation or command to serve someone, you will be blessed. In other words, you will receive God's favor in some capacity in your life. Number five, servants know who they are. Servants know who they are. I paraphrased Matthew 16, 25 a little earlier, but the exact verse in the NIV version says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. God's ways are so much different than our ways. And I discovered early on in my life, in my late teens or my early 20s around that time, that who I thought I was and who I was striving to be in identity development, it just wasn't working. I was doing all kinds of things that I thought were good and uh, would keep me going in the right direction that I wanted to go. But the more I pushed it, the more confusing and unsettled my life became. But once I discovered that Jesus wanted me to let go of who I thought I was and allow him to dictate my identity, things started to make more sense. Once I let go and trusted him for my present and future, things started to fall into place. Clarities in life that were blurred came into focus. Things like priorities shifted. My sense of purpose increased. Life became more fulfilling. And the sense of peace that I don't have to have it all together because I know God does has acted as my true north direction. 
If I don't have God's peace going on in my life, then I know that something's off. And I either need to give something up to him or I need to pick something up from him. John 13, verse 3 and 4 says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Servant. Let's stand together. This was easy for Jesus because he was fully confident in his sonship. And as believers, we get to share in that same identity. Sons and daughters of the Most High God through the blood of Jesus Christ. With full right to our inheritance of eternal life, as well as the rewards that, that await us that have been stored up by serving God and other people. We don't need to be held by fear. We know who we are. So Christian, you're free today to serve well. So serve well. Let's bow our heads in prayer. If you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and maybe you've been going just like I was in my life, your own direction and things just don't seem to be working out, there's a better way. There's a more freeing way. There's a more purposeful way. There's a more fulfilling way. And if that's the way you want to choose to go this morning, it's as simple as receiving Jesus Christ by faith as your personal Lord and Savior. And if that's something you want to do today, then you can borrow these words from me in the quietness of your own heart. It's between you and God. He can hear your words. He can hear your heart. He can hear your thoughts. You might say something like this. I'm making a choice today, Lord. I've heard about you. These people seem to know something that maybe I don't about you. Today I'm making a choice by faith to receive you, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm choosing to believe that you died for my sins so that I can now receive forgiveness for all of them and be released from the power of them. Thank you for that. I'm choosing by faith today to believe that you died and you rose again and that all who put their faith in your name will have eternal life. So come into my life, Jesus. I offer it up to you. I'm choosing to lose it today so that I might gain it from you. Wash me clean. Give me a new, a new start, a clean slate. Be Lord of my life. Help me to live and walk and, and how to love myself, others, and, and you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, prayer for everybody, every believer here, every believer watching online. Lord, we pray for strength, wisdom, opportunity, 
most of all, Lord, remind us that love has to be the motivator for us to serve. Otherwise, we're going on our own strength and it will fade. Continue, Lord, to help this church to be a light in this peace country area. That we might serve others well, to reach people for you. It's an honor to be able to serve with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572, or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.